Welcome back to Bevington Banter. We know it's been a little while, but life happens, things come up, but we're all back here. Myself, Cassidy, Dad, Randy, and Brother Cade here today. If you haven't already, please follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you find podcasts. Share it, give it a five-star review, and comment, all that jazz. Well, let's kick it off with something kind of funny. I heard the other day that the South Korean president raised the topic of making it illegal to eat dog meat. And my question, I don't really care what you think about the legality of it, but my question mainly is, would you eat dog meat? And dad, have you eaten dog meat? Because I feel like you've eaten some weird things in your military lifetime. I have eaten some weird things, but to my knowledge, I haven't eaten dog to his knowledge, um, I would. Um, I would. I think it was prepared well and seasoned properly. I would. Wouldn't have a problem with eating it. He dog. doesn't know what the street vendors actually. And we just him got in Taiwan, banned. Yeah. Or no, what Thailand? In Thailand, he doesn't know what they were actually giving. Well, him. yeah, Something I know like that. Kebab. Yeah, it's, Something kebab. yeah, in Patia Beach uh, and Suik Bay and places like that, they sell things on the street on a stick, and you know we always <laughs> just called it monkey meat. But no, who, knows totally what it, been, who knows what it, it was? Totally could have yeah, been. Yeah, it, it probably was one of several things. <laughs> I know that my dad said when they were in the Navy that they used to have uh, there'd be a flock of seagulls following uh, the carrier around, and then the next like day, the band? Be... did they run? No, so the far flock away? of seagulls, the band. They, they no, ran. Not the band. No. They ran so no. far no. away. And then, and then the next day, there'd be no seagulls, and they'd have chicken on that would be on the menu, and it'd be really greasy. <laughs> Someone standing on the deck with a shotgun. Yeah, how are you yes, killing those? Just shooting them as, yeah. they, shooting as they fly over and just collecting the ones that land on the ship. Phalanx ought to take out the whole flock pretty quickly. It can't detect something that small, right? No, I, I know. I'm just kidding. It just throws out a wall of lead. Though. There'd, be nothing, there'd be nothing left to nothing eat. Nothing left. Either. I know, I know okay. the shells are as big as a seagull. It would be like when Randy Johnson hit that bird with that pitch. Oh, my God. There was just nothing be, there. Just, it, it would just yeah. be a cloud of feathers. Yeah. I'd eat, a, I'd eat a dog if I was starving. Yeah, I mean, if I was starving. That's the other thing. You have to talk about what, what condition am right. I in? Am I right. sitting down at a restaurant and there's other options? No, I'm probably not going to order dog. Right. But another question was, is why is it, it's only because we've domesticated them that we, that it's different to us to eat a dog versus a cow or because originally when they domesticated them, they were used to like for a purpose, like a horse, like you wouldn't eat a horse because it has a use right people do eat horses but the value of the horse alive was probably more to you than as than for meat i guess if it was a working dog but i'm just wondering originally why has it been why is it such an egregious thing like so different for people to think of eating a dog than eating a cow well i'm guessing that south korean president you know ban eating dog is more of a i don't know a pr thing yeah he likes dogs Someone was talking about well, how he's a dog lover and he's adopted like some stray dogs. He just likes dogs. People like their pets. But it is a rep- it is a part of the Korean reputation that they eat dogs. And it's something that's kind of mocked and made fun of and looked down on. And it's been going on for decades and decades. I mean, this has been a, a, a thing since I was a, a, a little kid. Um, is it we because- actually had a Korean that that um you know lived across the street from which was really bizarre where i grew up when i was a kid for a short while and um they actually had dogs and people would just joke that you know that's just their livestock is it is it looked down upon because people are like oh that's so horrible how could you eat a dog i love my dog or is it because 
uh, back in like they were stray nasty mutts. In it's South like Korea. eating. A, it's like in eating a land like roadkill. They have they have breeds of dogs that are basically bred. Yeah, like, I would think like that cattle. it's more like they have eating like herds of dogs. Like originally, they, the idea of eating dog. Eat. Originally, the idea of eating dog was probably more like here the idea of eating possum. Well, Granny Clampett knew how to prepare it. <laughs> I yeah, I personally would rather eat if I was going to just from a pure um, nutrition or sanitary point of view i'd rather eat a domesticated dog than a wild mutt which then yeah somebody morally is so i read a story in one of the books i had to read for seminary about a missionary and he was talking about taking groups of other like american pastors to these places overseas and you know these people they don't have much and so when they prepare the food like it's a lot for them and it's um, a lot of value and there. So you eat whatever they serve you, right? Because it's, it's a big deal. However, some of the things they serve you are probably not going to be things that you really want to eat. And so he was writing how he would, because the people don't speak English. And so he would be able to communicate in English with the pastors without um, the, you know, people hosting them knowing what he was saying. So he surveys the table And he looks at these American pastors this one time and he points at one of the dishes or kind of points it out and says, that's dog meat. And they go, oh, so avoid that one. And he goes, no, that's your best option. (laughs) Did he go into what the other stuff was? I don't know. They probably just ate the dog meat. But Uh, you kind of have to eat it all because they, these people have put their whole livelihood. I think I'd probably eat the vegetables. (laughs) Hopefully there were some. I mean, I, I I get it because it's it's Fido, it's scruffy, but stop and think about it. Eating a dog, a good sized dog with some good meat on the bones, how is that any worse than going out and I, I used to you know do a lot of rabbit hunting as a teenager, shoot a rabbit in the ditch along the railroad and take it home and we would eat it. No, you're right. I don't know the nutritional because rabbit actually you cannot live off rabbit alone. There's something to do with, poisoning. yeah, it's only pro, yeah, protein poisoning. It's not enough fat. But dogs probably not the same. Okay, but speaking of if there were vegetables and, you know, what we could have to eat, we have started to have shortages from supply chain issues. And I even saw it when I was out shopping yesterday, like no peanut butter, no like certain products that we would buy are just not there. And all the stores are saying like they're understocked and they've had starting to see the supply chain issues because people won't work and there's no truck drivers. And I thought this continues. Maybe we will have to eat dog meat. We live in the country, so we won't have to eat dog meat. You live (laughs) in a city, you have to eat dog meat. No, I have emergency food for a while. Well, I mean, I I understand, but I'm saying once the emergency food runs out, there's more options somewhere like here. To do your own food. I have the access to the three-eyed fish for three-eyed carp in the creek behind my house. So extra eyes means extra protein. That's right. But the supply chain issues are just a continuation of this fact of nobody working and shutting things down and they're still being paid not to work. So why would they want to drive a truck? Yeah. And at the same time, we're going to fire hundreds of people at a time. I started seeing reports in the last uh, two days of where there are hospitals who are literally firing like 700 people at a time because they won't get the Fauci ouchie. And um, we, we already, so there goes the unemployment numbers are going to go up 
where month after month we see where, oh gosh, the employment numbers didn't improve the way we thought they were going to uh, as you continue to pay people not to work and then we're going to fire more people and then we're going to, if, are they going to, um, are they going to give dishonorable discharges to military members who will not take uh, the vaccine? And then those people will have harder for them to get a job. And certainly was in certain areas when you have a dishonorable discharge uh, on your record. It's just, this is, it, it's, it's, in, this leads to a really negative place. And I don't mean to always sound like Mr. Negativity, but this makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, these people are evil, but they're not this stupid. They know what they're doing. It's intentional. They want this chaos. They want this disaster so that they can mandate uh, and govern even harder so they can change this country into what they want it to be. This is intentional. If you don't get it by now, people, wake up. New York saying we are going to bring in the National Guard to fulfill to fill teachers' jobs and nursing jobs of people who are fired who will not get the vaccine. And yet, back in the last summer when they wanted to, or the summer before in 2020, when they wanted to act, people were calling to activate the National Guard to stop the rioting, the looting, the arson, the assault, and the murder, they wouldn't do it, and they wouldn't let Trump send in troops. But now we're going to activate the same National Guard to fill teaching jobs and nursing jobs because people won't put some substance in their body that you tell them they have to take. If you don't get it by now, people, I, I don't know what to tell you. I will say that's probably also a good way, nothing against, I mean, the National Guard people who are trained in those areas, but it is a good way to at least begin the process of people being less skilled at what they're doing, because you're really just taking private sector jobs and turning them into public sector jobs. And over time, mm -hmm. that's going to start to get bad. Not to mention, if you combine that with like a social credit score that everyone's been talking about, like other places do, people get those desirable jobs not based on how good they are at it, but based on their social credit score, based on how willing they are to go along with some kind of agenda. And that's how you start getting people in positions that are less and less qualified. So the quality of that stuff is also going to start to go down. Yeah, one of the hallmarks of the communist regime uh, during the Soviet Union era was that you had, and, and, and the stories are just replete um, of people who were in jobs simply because they would not think, they would not push back, they wouldn't do anything. They would just go through the most mundane motions as good political party members. That was all that mattered. Yeah, it's how you're going to get less qualified people is you're going to get a job based on your social credit score. And we already know, you know, how inefficient any bureaucracy this is. And this is just an expansion of the, of the bureaucracy. Yeah, that's kind of how. That's kind of how it becomes so inefficient. It's right. But, about but political this, favor. But this is intentional. This is what this is what they want. They want the yes men instead of qualified instead of qualified people. That's why General Milley's still there. Because by his own admission, he basically will not recommend his actual opinions to the president. He just basically tells the president what he wants to hear. And he said that I mean, you can derive that from what he said to Congress this week. Well, he was saying he wouldn't quit because um, he gave his advice and it's up to the president to take it or leave. No, it. they were he was saying he, he's saying, why should I resign out of resistance of going against? Right. He's like, the point he, is not we don't want you to resign out of resistance. We want you to resign because you're the idiot. He gave 
Right. That's why I was saying he gave his advice. The president didn't take it. He said, I'm not going to resign because if I were to resign because he didn't take my opinion, my, you know, my advice, that would be a political act. And I'm not supposed to be political. Huh. Well, yeah, we all know that what a farce that is. And yes, we're not saying that you should resign because um, Biden didn't take your advice. We're saying you should resign because you're incompetent. And the evidence of that is, is, uh, you know, well, there's a lot of evidence. I, I'm not going to start getting into it in, in the Afghanistan. And then you had McKinsey say, um, when he was asked, he goes, I'm not going to tell you of my recommendations to Biden, you know, because that's like privileged or something. And then he immediately after that said, but I recommended literally those were his words, all conversation about whether or not what they had with the president about what they should leave troops or when they should withdraw the troops along with the civilians. Uh, privilege was broken because uh, Biden spoke about, has spoken about it on the record. Therefore, there is no longer any privilege and there's nothing that should legally prevent them from sharing their discussions because it's no longer classified because Biden has already discussed it publicly on the record. And I'm not even a lawyer. And I can tell you that's absolutely factual. Well, speaking of the military and you mentioned they want to dishonorably discharge people for not receiving the vaccine. We were reading about that because Cole was obviously wanted to know, um, even though I do know more about the the process of requesting the religious exemption and what that entails, if you're curious. But he was reading that it said you if you're dishonorably discharged, you lose your Second Amendment rights, which seemed insane. Are you basically would you lose your voting well, rights, too? Are you basically a criminal? Yeah, if you're con it's like being convicted of a felony. Yeah, but there are certain uh, the, the, things the you can be. Is, there are some things you could be dishonorably be dishonorably discharged for, which maybe could warrant that. Sure, but there are a lot of things that would not warrant that. I just I don't know what all the things that you can be dishonorably discharged for. It's not a matter of whether you should lose your Second Amendment rights if you're dishonorably discharged. This is a matter of should you be dishonorably discharged right, for not getting wrong. a vaccine. So I think it's I think it's just a misclassification of what they actually did should not qualify for them for dishonorable right. discharge. But I'm not necessarily against dishonorable discharge, meaning that you're treated like a felon. If it's used if it's in the appropriate it depends situation. On the violation. Right. Well, yeah. then 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 there is if there are violations that qualify you for dishonorable discharge that aren't serious enough to lose your rights, then I don't think that should fall. And I tell you what, can I give you a good example? Sure. Especially it might be based on your state of residency, but you could be dishonorably discharged after um, several, say, positive urinalysis for marijuana. Some states in most, I, I don't know anywhere where simply um, smoking a joint is a felony. No, it's not in some places anywhere. it's not even in some places it's not even a misdemeanor, but you certainly can be dishonorably discharged for it. So but on if federal it's not paperwork, a felony, why should it be on federal paperwork, not be allowed to vote? It is a it is a disqualifier for purchasing a firearm. Well, if you're addicted to I don't know if you can be physiologically addicted to marijuana. It's psychological. Well, just because you've used it in the past and you were discharged, uh, dishonorably discharged does not mean that you are now currently addicted to to it you can oh i know you know time changes it could just be a couple times and that yeah, doesn't and mean time changes 
And I don't so, think you know, that like, would qualify you if, to check if, the box that you're addicted on the well, form. Right. What if a person says, you know what, I was, um, I did, and I, I did use it, and I did get dishonorably discharged, and I realized, man, was that worth it? That was so stupid to do that. That just cost me something that, you know, I really wanted to do. So, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore because look what it cost me. It's not worth it. And they don't do it anymore. So they're, they're not guilty of uh, a felony for sure. And probably not even a misdemeanor. And, and in all addicted. honesty, I've had issues of, you know, thinking about what certain types of felonies that disqualify you from losing your right to own a firearm anyway. And even some of those, I have a hard time making it a permanent loss of your right to own a gun. That's a lot to take from somebody when, when they aren't necessarily just a violent criminal. I read an article today uh, by a lieutenant colonel, uh, I believe it was the army, who is a flight surgeon, essentially what we would have called them in the, in the Navy. And she goes through all this. But the bottom line is, is that the population, the demographic that she cares for is 99.997% likely to recover if they get COVID. Not 99.97, 99.997, because they are healthy, young people. And, you know, the point I made on it was, I'm not saying this to say um, people shouldn't consider getting the COVID vaccine if they, but, but it shouldn't be universally applied to everyone has to do it because clearly there are segments of our society that it is not necessary we don't do force anything when you have a 99.997 percent chance of it not killing you right there's even now several nba players who are right saying the same thing hey look i, like, I looked into I it for that. me jonathan isaac yeah he was very articulate when he said I looked into it for me and I'm not at risk and I had natural, I had COVID, I have natural immunity and I'm not going to get it. He he was obviously ready for that and, yeah. he pre- and he prepared really well because what he said was it's, it sounded good and it was also correct. Yes. They're, they couldn't really Most say Most importantly, it was correct. It. Yeah. He can't, <laughs> they couldn't really rebut anything that he said. For goodness sakes, even LeBron James said, I'm not going to make anybody else, tell anybody else what to do. That makes me want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse psychology. Yeah, he did it. He got, well, he got me. It certainly would be. I'm not saying I'm going to go out and get it because LeBron says he's not going to tell anybody they have to, but it certainly would be more effective than the nut job new governor in New York. Be my apostles. Yes. What a wacko. I love the Babylon, Babylon B uh, headline. It said that uh, New York atheist yes. reject vaccine because it's said to have been developed by god My god i mean here's but i i hear people speak like that and even back to biden when he said that his patience is wearing thin when do politicians speak to their voters their constituents like that it just has never happened before and again that leads me to this really uh a scary place is like you don't do these kinds of things politicians in the past have never done these kind of things because they knew that they would not get reelected they no longer fear whether or not they'll be reelected and so they're free to do these crazy things that they would have never done or said in the past and go against is, the will of their people of the people which is why i think we're freakishly close uncomfortably close to 
forced vaccination. Blow darts. Blow darts. Blow darts. Blow darts. Blow darts. Yeah, that was one of the one of the most recent Project Veritas videos that came out since our last one was a strangely it was how would that even economist work, an economist he could do it it'd be tipped if, with it i don't know like if a poison but dose. not enough of it yeah right, yeah i don't know if you can get the full it. dose yeah the, the blow dart simply renders you unconscious so they can so they come can up come oh. And, and, oh this makes more sense See, and i always get the i always get the image of a blow dart hitting you in the neck so i have ordered some kevlar uh <laughs> neck coverings kevlar turtlenecks so they can't get me with right the blow darts. but we didn't exactly. get to fully explain where this came from if people are really yeah confused. it was well it yeah. wasn't yeah. it was an undercover video from project veritas and the video the subject of the video saying we're going to use blow darts was actually an economist for the fda and i can get into that later about why that's the already FDA a problem yeah has economists because that because yeah, they don't they don't work a for a profit they don't yes. they don't work for a profit so why is to regulate big pharma and that's actually one thing that really stuck out to me in that video that nobody else really seemed to pick up on is at the end, number one, he was an economist, but, but also he talked about at the end of that video is how they're trained to look at everything basically from a bottom line perspective. They're the FDA. I don't understand have a bottom, a bottom line. line perspective unless the they're bottom talking line about is food and drug safety. No, that is not what he meant. I know, but <laughs> that's what it should be. I mean, it's saying they oh, don't know. That's, that's what, what it should it, be. Yeah. The bottom line for government agencies is how can we justify more funding, more, tax, more taxpayer dollars sent to us. That's what the bottom line is for any that's that's government true. agency. That is true. But anyway, he's the one who said that they, you know, if people don't want to do it, that's that's where we're at now. We're just going to blow dart people. And by the way, I could definitely come up with a way to make a blow dart inject somebody. That what you just said about the bottom line for government agencies is how do we get more gun, government funding and taxpayer dollars? That would blew me away, even in the DOD at times, when they would be talking about just trying to come up with stuff to use the funding that we already had, or how can we get more when we pitch next time? Like, oh, we didn't spend enough. We have to spend all the money or else we're not going to get as much next time around. And I was the only one that would be like, but what if we don't actually need it? Like, if we don't need it, if we're not bringing value, why would we waste taxpayer dollars? Nobody cared about that. They were asking you to stay. They. I can't believe that your bosses were asking you Can to you, stay. I was they, really, I, they should have just been like, get out of here. We don't need any of that kind of attitude. I was really good at what I did. Yeah, that, we that, no to, one's uh, that good. Yeah, unfortunately, Cade's right about that. We see that time and time again. It doesn't matter how good and sharp and intelligent and concise you are. If it goes against the flow, you will. You have social credit because I was because I was probably part of the reason that they had to transfer somebody. They literally had to transfer somebody out of our department because I automated their job away. And thus, then we were not spending as much because we had one less person on the payroll. I was creating the issue. And they, well, yeah. they just, and they, they just send them somewhere else. They're they still, still wanted paid. me to stay. Yeah. They're, send, they, they're, just, they're still getting paid. Right. They're just sending them somewhere under else. under a different. But we, we used code. to, um, we used to uh, take what we called cross countries when we, because we had a certain allotment every quarter for money for fuel uh, in the squadron. And if we weren't using, going to use it up, then a couple guys were in San Diego and it'd be like, Hey, we're going to go to DC flying to Andrews. Great. Drop me off in Dayton. Okay, cool. So I get a free free weekend home to Dayton, Ohio. They pick me up on the way back. We stop and tinker for a tinker burger, then back to San Diego. And when we're really bored, you go out and you play Sonobui baseball with the tail hook and the Fleer. 
So you drop a sauna buoy and drop the tail hook at the exact same time. And, and you can, you hit the sauna buoy and it shatters into a million pieces and you're just it's using them created to, sauna to buoy waste money. Hey, wouldn't they also, weren't there ships that when they would come close to oh, port, they would just we, start throwing we going, what they called into overboard. When we went into, came back from an 84 cruise on the Kitty Hawk, uh, it was going into what's called SLEP, Service Life Extension Program, where they just gut the ship and, and they do everything new. And literally, if you don't get rid of it, you got to carry it off the ship. So like the day before, two days before, literally everything started going over the side of the ship uh, into the ocean. I mean, typewriters, tools, airplane parts, filing cabinets, mattresses, anything that you could, because it all had to come off. And if it didn't get thrown over the side, it had to be carried down the gangplank. I feel like mattresses would be really noticeable since they'd all be like floating. Behind Eventually the they saturate like you stuff know. that sinks. That's one thing. But you can like see all the stuff floating behind you like a trail of mattresses. Do you have any idea how expensive those specialized aircraft tools are? Now, a lot that's, of those got well, carried off because they, be- they belong the to the squadron. Yeah, they belong to the squadron. And the squadron, you know, was not a part of the ship. You just, so they, they did get carried off, but I guarantee you there were plenty of others that if it was attached to the ship, then it's, uh, it's going over the side. We dropped trash, all the trash on the, on the ship, at least back when I was all the trash, like you just got your trash can in your shop. It goes in the ocean. It's those bags float for a while. But they, you drop them actually through a chute on the fantail, and it, it makes a little supposed to make slices in the sides of the bags, so they'll fill up with water and sink. So the government is the reason for the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. The Great patch. Pacific Garbage Patch. The military. It's, just, it, it's the Navy. Everybody, everybody knows there's a garbage patch the size of Texas in the <laughs> Pacific Ocean, except when you look from a satellite image, apparently they hide it. because yeah. we can't you, find it anywhere. You can't ever find it. Well, it's to me, it, it belies the truth that they know that Everything is biodegradable given enough time. It may take a million years, but it will biodegrade eventually. And the ocean is big. But don't you care about the climate? Or are you just all your blah, blah, blah? It's Greta Thunberg. Yeah. What a good speech. I watched somebody super cut every time she's blah, blah, blah together just into one little speech. So she just went blah, 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 (laughs) blah. That's pretty much what she said anyway. Great speech. Okay, I'm actually going to defend old Greta on this one. Um, she's not wrong that people, it's just she, words, she, is what she said. Right, that's she, her point was, there's, there's just blather, and, and she's exactly right about that, and that's what she was illustrating. On the, on the flip side is, I'm not overly concerned about the environment. Yeah, um, she's it's not. It's too. not what, it is not the problem that they say that it is. Yeah, which is why she never a... offers solutions. All she does is say, "Do something." Well, do she something. Did, she doesn't have to. She's only eighteen. I mean, yeah, she you know, wants. She doesn't just want words. She wants actions. Okay, if environmentalism was Islam, she'd be the one lopping off the heads. Yeah, but when she speaks, she does illustrate the. We should understand from what she's saying is they're not serious. The people that That's are. What I mean, the people that are. Um, you know, she's devout. pushing all she's this. She's a devout environmentalist. Right. The people that are pushing all this environmental stuff, they're not serious about it because they're not no. doing anything about it. If they really no. thought it was the existential threat that they say that it is, oh my gosh, we better be doing something and doing it now. And they know it's not. So they don't. It's not political for her. She's young. Right. From what she's I've a, seen, she's in the a past, true believer. She may or may not have Which some I level of autism. And she's her. scared to death. 
You're gonna. She really is. She's truly scared because she's grown Bitch. up right. with that. You know, told that the, we're gonna destroy the planet. Everybody's gonna die. So she's she really is concerned. Now, you just might because think, she's concerned and just because she's about doesn't mean that she's right. You might say I've gone soft, but whatever. But it's frustrating for me too to say this. But God's been doing a thing in me, and all these people that make me mad and all this stuff, I at the same time can't help feeling compassion for them recently because they're so lost and they're so wrong and they're just being used as tools of the enemy to lead people astray. And they think the power, whatever they're trying to look for, that they think is going to, you know, fulfill this is what they want and they need. It's only going to lead them to more, just wanting more and more of it and in this insatiable desire for it. And they're so lost and I can't help feeling bad for them. They're never going to be happy. I actually agree with you, Cassidy, in that the majority of the people that are out there pushing for these things and reporting on them and so on, they are useful tools to the few people at the top of the pyramid who have the really bad ulterior motives and know that they're using these methods in order to accomplish what they want. And then the people that next level down and, and, and further down the pyramid, they're just simply useful tools. And I do feel bad for them because they're being used. And two, they're very sincere. They're very genuine. They're very concerned. And they do have an emptiness and a lack of understanding of how to fill that emptiness that they're never going to be able to be happy and satisfied doing, doing it this way. Right. But I don't even only mean those people lower down, but even those people at the top, when I say tools of the enemy, I mean, larger scale, they are also tools. Just Satan is like, oh, there's somebody I can use to well, just mess true. stuff up, too. That's true. But I don't have I, you know, but I, I have. I don't yeah, have it's not compassion. the same amount, the same type of compassion for them. I don't but, have any compassion for Joe, for their soul. Like Joe Biden. Well, no, yeah, no. I, I agree but for Joe Biden. Of... For Joe Biden, I don't have any compassion because he was a, he was a total lying pathological you know nut job but uh, why but my question is why was, some people choose to be and there are certain I people have. i mean they they open themselves up to it that's the road that they're willing to go down because i look yes, at a satan, lot of people satan and is ultimately why? behind it but they're willing they're willing to be used what happened to you that set you on this path and now how can we help you find something better i don't think that i think there are people that you can't convince they're fair they are pharaoh the best thing that you can do heart hardened yeah. The best yeah. thing you can do is you, you're not going to convince them that the way that you have to approach it. Right. That, I mean, the Holy Spirit has to start is that you pray conviction. that God yes. would at least restrain the, the 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 powers of darkness to give them a clear a, a clear spiritual, uh, you know, understanding and vision and ears so that if they hear truth, they have a chance of understanding it. You can't pray that God will change them, but you can pray that they'll have a clear spiritual atmosphere so that they at least have the opportunity to hear truth and, and receive it. Hmm. We need to understand that these people are deceived. And the whole point with being deceived is, is you, when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because if you knew you're deceived, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be deceived. Right. So they have to have a clear spiritual atmosphere to have an opportunity to get to recognize the deception. Which is where we have discernment via the Holy Spirit. So it's Correct. only by. Doesn't the Bible basically classify people as like fool, like fools and then like undecided, like those that hadn't decided yet? Well, the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. Well, it wasn't that. Like a fool rejects, you mean, the, has rejected the truth? I yes. Know. I think it was one of Paul's letters. You it's foolish really Galatians. 
why have you turned? He calls them foolish. He calls the Galatians foolish for yes. turning away from what they once knew. Right. To be he true. says they, he said, and he says, and he puts it in a spiritual term. He says, you've been bewitched. You've been deceived. And yes, there are so many warnings in scripture about false teachers and deceivers. I mean, that's what Satan is. He, that is the original. The first thing that he did was deceive Eve and try to, you know, skew what God told them. Right. He deceived them by telling them the truth, but framing it incorrectly. Which is why there's an inkling of truth in a lot of things, but it's perverted into something else. Yeah. Like I always like to say, ivory soap is 99 and 44, 100% pure, meaning it's impure. (laughs) You know, it's very pure, but the fact of it is, it's not pure. The the definition of pure means that, right. You can't be almost pure. Right. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. They, uh, the whole idea of Paul, you know, telling him is they had heard the truth and then they turned away from it. So much of that. And, and why, why would you do that? If you've had the truth, if you've heard it, you've believed it and you've incorporated it into your life. And seen that it works. Why would you turn away from it? And there's only one answer to that. And that is because you want to, because it doesn't give you what you want. You, there's something selfish, something in you that you desire that you feel that is keeping you from. And so you adopt a different understanding that allows you to do what you want to do. Well, and, no, that's, and that's and that's what we end up deceiving ourselves in that regard. It's, but those are our own personal selfish motivations. Once the transformation part starts, right? The word, the Bible says, you know, be transformed. And we're going to, we are going to be transformed. It's a process you're going to change. And, but people don't like that process. No, there's a difference between simply hearing the message and right. And oh, I believe it. it. But, but then, then once the actual process starts, they right. don't want that. But never, en- never entering into the process because it takes effort and it takes time and it takes discipline. I don't have, um, in, in many ways, uh, desires that I had before I was a Christian, uh, I can look at those. And if I look at them and think about it, I, I would have those same desires. It's not that I don't, it's not that my desires have been changed for a good time. It's that I realize that it's not productive, that it actually would be harmful to me and all the people that I love. And it would not produce in my life, the things that I want. And so, but that took, that, that took, you know, that takes time to come to that realization to grow enough to where it's easy to, it's much easier to discipline myself now than it was, you know, 30 years ago. Discipline. That's a word. People don't have it, which is why they just self-love lie of culture. Like the way that society has preached self-love is just, there's no discipline. It's just giving into whatever whims that you feel. And so there's never going to be any sort of when you lack self-denial and discipline and transformation because they don't think that's wrong. That's stifling. You should just be celebrated, whatever your desires are. People that lack self-discipline and then they go too far in a particular area of life, it might be initially bring some kind of happiness or satisfaction. But in the long term, when you're unable, when you see that it's having a detrimental effect on you and you can't stop it, you end up loathing yourself. It's incredibly self-destructive. Absolutely. There's a lot of people out there that, I mean, for lack of better terms, they loathe themselves. And so what do we do? We excuse everything and we say everything is okay. 
and that nobody can define, you know, what's best for you. It's your coping lifestyle, with their, and on and it's on the and only, on. It's they're just, trying to convince right. themselves that they don't. That I shouldn't feel themselves. like a terrible person, yeah. even though I know I am. Yep. Well, ending on that note. <laughs> but there's something better. Once you do decide, once you do decide to enter the process and have that discipline, it does get easier over time and it's so much better. And there's so much more joy and and that's the secret of, you don't have this just eternal wanting something more and missing thing. It's that finding contentedness in all certain, like, doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm content in all circumstances. And that's something that the people who don't don't have the discipline to enter the transformation with God will never find. You loathe yourself because you realize you have no control over your situation. And discipline is exactly that. You're saying, I have control via my discipline. And then guess what? If you feel bad because you don't have control, when you do discipline yourself and gain control, guess what? You feel good. You feel good. Discipline, it's true. Discipline is freedom. I know that sounds you know, contradictory, but it is not. Discipline brings freedom. Otherwise, you're trapped in that loathing situation. You're not free in that. You're a prisoner to it. So practice discipline if you feel lost. And if you want to know how, leave a comment and reach out because we'd love to talk to you about it. it. It's one of those things where, you know, my fitness routine does that kind of thing for me and why I continue to do it. It's not always easy, but it is an area of my life that I can exercise discipline and control. And it makes all of the other hours of the day so much better because I was willing to discipline myself. And yeah, we need to do it. We should do it. We need to do a podcast on fitness and stuff too. Cassidy is a a marathoner, which is insane to me, but that's (laughs) how she chooses to do it. And I do it just by exercise. And so, yeah, we need to do a podcast. All right. Thanks for listening.